teachers, I'm Carly Walton, and this is the Teach Music Online Podcast, a show where you'll find tips and strategies for growing your music studio. I'm all about automating your business tasks, having growth through social media, and teaching with the best online tools. Happy end of March to you teachers. I know for many of you that means you are coming up on recital season. Maybe you are doing some virtual recitals or in-person recitals. Be sure to check out the episode we did last year on virtual teaching virtual recitals. I share a lot of really great information in that episode with you to help you out. You may also be coming up on exam season or thinking about exams for your students, which is a really great time for me to bring in my special guest today, Michelle Matter, who specializes in exams for students. Today's review for Teach Music Online comes from actually one of our teachers that is inside the membership. This teacher shared with me, I am more in person than online now, but would be lost without all that I've learned from Teach Music Online. Looking forward to growing online and through my YouTube channel. I have learned so much. TMO saved my business. Between running the podcast and coaching teachers inside of TMO, I absolutely love connecting with teachers around the globe. Being able to provide access to coaching and courses and for teachers to have access to these is such a game changer. It's not only giving them confidence to teach online, but it's also providing all of the steps that they need to automate business tasks, use tech that they're not used to, and easily recruit students. If you have been listening and you have any questions at all about joining me inside Teach Music Online, will you please send me an email over to carly, C-A-R-L-Y, at teachmusic.online. As always, I love connecting with teachers. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Michelle Matter. She is a music teacher from Sydney, Australia, and not only is she an incredible composer and a music school owner, but she has also created a universal exam system that teachers and students anywhere in the world can get access to. I absolutely loved visiting with Michelle. She has so much enthusiasm for teaching, but also for providing an, a well-rounded and exciting piano education for students. And she's now made this available to teachers as well. So I hope that you enjoy this interview with Michelle. Welcome to the Teach Music Online podcast, Michelle. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Carly. I'm very excited to be chatting to you. I would love for you to give us a little bit of a background on who you are. So tell us your experience first teaching and then kind of moving into what you're doing now. We'll just give a, a little bit of a summary and then we'll go deeper into, into some exciting things that you're up to. Okay. Uh, well, I didn't really ever think I was going to be a teacher. That wasn't what I thought I was setting out to do. Um, when I was little and I started playing the piano, I absolutely loved it and I didn't find it particularly difficult. And then, you know, I entered in lots of things and did pretty well. And so I was kind of on that performancey track. And I think like many people do, by the time I was about 10, I decided I was going to be a concert pianist. And, <laughs> and I was also doing lots of composition and I was really fortunate to have teachers who were really encouraging and supportive of that. So I did a lot of performing and composing um, right 
on in Australia and also all over the place really. And I really thought that was kind of where I was going and I hadn't really ever thought about teaching at all. But around about the same time as I was getting ready to go study overseas and do some more piano and some more composition, I taught my first ever, had my first ever experience of teaching and some private students and also some group teaching and I just it was like this moment of I couldn't believe how much I loved the communication aspect of having those people in front of me your audience when you're performing your audience is over there and yes they applaud and that's all very lovely but it's completely different to have this kind of captive audience and to be able to have that kind of really immediate response from little people I was teaching little people at that point and I think it was just a real light bulb moment and I I started really I loved the teaching and so then I started writing music for them and performing for them and it kind of all narrowed down and it changed my entire focus so in the end I stayed in Australia I didn't go and do any more performance and composition overseas and I um, started a music school, a little music school, which turned into a very big music school and ran that for the next 30 something years. So my teaching kind of career was, you know, a bit of a thing that happened without me really expecting it to happen. Wow. I'm very great. <laughs> that is so neat. Yeah, I love that you really grew up with this love for music and composition and create creativity and that you integrated that into this love for teaching. So was composition a big part of the school that you ran? Yeah, yeah, it is definitely. And um, even with what I'm doing now, I try and bring those creative things in as as often as I possibly can. I've, I was listening um, a little while ago to your um, interview with Nicola Canton, and uh -huh. you were talking all about, you know, the, the having everything, the creative. That's very much how I teach. It has to be fun. Um, so all of the programming and everything for the music school was all about having a wonderful time, but also about a very holistic approach of um, improvising and composing and by ear things and sight reading and performance skills and all of those things being brought together. And I think that in whatever I'm doing, I'm always looking for that little creative angle. And I think teachers get stuck a little bit. So I'm trying to just make those things much more normal, a normal part of everyday teaching for every teacher. Oh, that's so good. And I can imagine a lot of your growth as a music school had to do with the fun and the creativity that you incorporated. Were you finding that students coming over to your school were feeling like the lessons that were taught there were different from where they were coming from? Yeah, I think we've all experienced that thing of the traditional old days kind of piano lessons. And I think, um, what I like to do is very much not, that's not the way that I like to teach. And um, I think I started the school at a time where this even kind of off the bench activities was a, a whole new concept. People weren't even really teaching that way then. So I think it was something completely different to be running camps and having workshops and getting jazz pianists in to do workshops with the kids and, you know, not just having a piano lesson. So yeah, we definitely, we definitely um, loved having that influx of enthusiasm from the community when we were running things that way. That's so exciting. I love it. I, I, I love always hearing that teachers get creative and think outside the box and that brings so much 
joy to and fulfillment to your career but also that's that is such a main part of the growth and recruitment is thinking about the student and not just about like how you learned or what you think but how do students learn best and that sounds like that's what you did and so were you training teachers as well to kind of do the same method for teaching in your school yeah so my role there was i was definitely teaching and also writing lots of like all of the course materials so writing the actual courses but also writing the pieces so you know the overall structure and then plugging in all of the different activities but also the you know the actual piano pieces and ensembles and things like that that the kids would play and I love that process um, I think as a composer it took me a long time to realize that what I really love is a limited parameter so okay we need to teach we need a piece that teaches whole tone scale and needs to be in seven eight great I can do that like rather than this you know weirdly open-ended sort of you know something write whatever you like I think it took me a while to realize that what I really loved was oh we need this and then I could write I could write that and so I really enjoyed that part as well but of course you know um, I loved the teaching and training the teachers as well and again like we've already said you know getting them to think outside the square and just because they didn't learn composition as a child doesn't mean they can't unlock that to be able to do it now and to be able to get their students to do it too. Oh that's great and I hope teachers that are listening heard that because yeah. Lots of teachers don't grow up with any kind of, you know, instruction and then maybe they didn't even go to college where they could learn or take composition classes. And it is yeah. absolutely yeah. learned and it's something you can learn with your students. You can learn it right alongside them. I always tell the teachers I coach, you only have to be one or two steps ahead of your students. You don't have to be this master because they're just learning and they have fun learning with you. And teaching composition is so easy because it's your own thing. There's, there's no such thing as a mistake. You might have a happy accident. You can turn it into something else. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. As long as the student likes it, there are no rules really. So um, I think it's the easiest thing to teach because it's just all about being, having a bit of fun and, and having a bit of creative freedom. Yes. Let's talk about universal music exams. What inspired it? Was this inspired be because of the pandemic? Was it something you had been thinking about pre-pandemic? Tell us, tell us all about it. Uh, okay, so as part of running Australian music schools, I did uh, create an exam system, a piano exam system that we were using for more than a decade within the system. It was only open to those kids, not open to the community more broadly. And I think exam culture is a really interesting thing. I know it varies very widely by region. So I know in the US, there's lots of festivals and things like that, but there's probably a little less of an exam culture than what we have in Australia. I think it really changes depending on where you are in the world. Certainly in an Australian context, uh, it, we're definitely in an exam culture. That doesn't mean everybody does exams, but it's just the mindset of, teachers, many teachers and many, many parents as well. And so we're sort of functioning within that. And uh, it's it's got a long history in Australia and it tends to be fairly rigid and fairly tick this box kind of an approach to assessing um, where the kids are up to or not just kids, adults too, I suppose, but where students are up to. So what I was really after was 
something much more flexible that still sets goals, that still ticks those boxes, but integrates some of those other things like a few little creative things along the way, but has a lot more free choice, more scope for teachers to hook into where that particular student's strengths are. So if they're really great at little pop and jazz pieces, play those if you know it doesn't all have to be sonatinas and things like that so um i really wanted the word flexible actually in my company title but i, I couldn't quite make it work so i ended up going with with universal because i'm thinking like universe yes the universe but you know like a universal remote something that you can use for this and this and this and this and that kind of works for everything that was the concept that i had so i think um the flexibility of it is a big thing um, the pandemic showed us that things can work online in a way that we had never imagined before, I guess. And I mean, in that, in that year, in 2020, I put the whole of the music school exam system onto video submission and it worked so well that then I developed the system further and launched the universal music exams. How I hope I've you, answered your question. <laughs> that, that's great. I, I'm curious, how do you go about developing this? Is this something, were you taking bits of exams that you had seen? Were you kind of creating an entirely new set of, I guess, milestones that students are hitting? You said you, you, that teachers can kind of pick and choose. So just maybe explain mm. to me how how did you bring it all in and I, I don't it sounds very complicated to me so just explain a little bit more okay. about how you yeah. how you brought it all together sure yeah okay so i think um again depending on where you are in the world but there's this kind of you know if you say grade two then there are a, everybody kind of has a bit of an idea in their mind of what a grade two level may be um with a bit of give and take across the globe, I suppose. But certainly for most exam systems, you need to present a certain number of pieces at that level, but um, whether they are pieces that have to come from a certain list or free choice pieces. So we've gone kind of for flexibility with the free choice thing. And then there's normally a group of scales that need to be presented for that exam as well. And then maybe some general knowledge or some sight reading. So the components usually to any sort of traditional exam board are the repertoire pieces, the technical work, the general knowledge, the sight reading, and then sometimes they have like some oral skills or something like that. So when I was putting together this syllabus, what I was trying to do was to give teachers the flexibility to be able to put the exam together for that student rather than having to play by the same rules for everybody because everybody is not the same. Uh, and so they they play one of the set pieces from the list that we have created, but then they have free choice pieces as well. And as long as the teacher thinks that that is a similar standard to the set piece, that's fine. You don't have to check it. You don't have to run it past anybody. We're going to trust the teachers that if they think that it's of a suitable level for that grade, then it's totally fine to be performing free choice pieces, which means they can play anything. They can play their own composition. They can play um, any style. They can play all sonatinas if they wanted to, or they can play no sonatinas if they wanted to, as long as they're sort of hitting the mark in terms of the actual level. And then with from that, my big bugbear is I don't like it when people teach scales just because that key is on that list. I like for their scale to come from their piece. 
I think they need to learn the mode. If the if the piece is, you know, if the piece is not in A minor, then teach whatever the mode is and play with the chords and you know have fun and be a bit creative with that. So for the UME syllabus, the technical list is actually not a list. It's play that scale that goes with that piece. Oh, and then you've got that piece. Okay, play me the scale that goes with that piece. And then you've got that piece. Okay, how about you do the arpeggio that goes with that piece? So teachers can kind of make it all fit together in a way that makes sense to the students and is actually helping all that theory and keys and all of those sorts of things behind the scenes. And then for our um, sight reading and all of that sort of thing, there again is a lot of flexibility so they can choose whether they want to do a sight reading example or transpose a little four bar melody into another key or look at a chord chart look at a little chord pattern that has you know the chords there and play them and then do it with a little accompaniment so again just trying to crack it a little bit more broadly so that there's a bit more creativity and a bit more fun in the actual syllabus itself that's great. I thank you so much for explaining that. That makes a lot more sense. So how how do you run the exams? Are they run every semester or quarter or is it at the at the teachers whenever they can do the exams or tell us a little bit about the scheduling of it and it's universal so they can do it from anywhere. They're not going to like a, a specific place where the students play in front of people, which is what a lot of teachers do. So tell us about kind of how it works online and when they happen sure yeah so at the moment we do still have in-person exams in my hometown of sydney but the vast majority of the exams that we are getting now are video submission and they're from all over the place which is just so exciting and uh the other thing that i think teachers have always found difficult is being locked into exam periods where not all your students may be ready just in this one month that the exam is available to you. So the video submission with the UME exams are open from the 1st of March until December. So really any time throughout that whole year where you would have a student who is ready and it might be that you have one student ready now, one in six weeks, one in, or some teachers like to kind of work out where their recital or other performances are and put the exams just before or just after so that they kind of have a focal point for all of that same repertoire uh, but it doesn't matter however teachers would like to organize it to suit them and their students it's open year-round and the other thing um, I think that's really important is that it doesn't always life doesn't always go to plan and so you can book a student in or a, we get the parents to book the student in but if something happens or they break an arm or you know all sorts of stuff can happen you really can just click on it and reschedule your own exam up to 200 days into the future for free. So there's kind of no catch in having um, enrolled into, you know, committing to do something because we're flexible enough that you can change it if you need to. And then who is judging these exams? Do you have a group of teachers that you've worked with who go through those video submissions and then they send a reply and do they, is it kind of this back and forth or do they just say, you know, they didn't pass, have them resubmit? Okay, we've never had anybody didn't pass. So that's probably a good place to start. 
Um, so yes, there is a, a very small cohort of examiners and we want to keep it really small because uh, it's colleagues and me, um, because that way we have a really fabulous consistency amongst the cohort of examiners. So if you get me or if you get the next person, we're very much on the same marking system and you don't get a hard marker or a easy marker, you just get you know, the same level of consistency across the um, exams. Um, and the process is that they submit online. <clears throat> we report a detailed report on every single section of their uh, performance. So each piece, each area, and then in 10 days time, they get that back. It goes to the teacher and to the student or parent with the certificate and an overall mark. So we've never had anybody who needed to resit. Um, we have had, uh, we do really try hard to make it a positive experience, but to give useful feedback, there's no point in a report that just says, well, that was all very lovely. You know, you actually need to be saying some detailed things in order for the students to have something to work on it and in order to give the teachers some feedback as well. I think that's, that's really important. Um, so, when it was when we first got going, I did every single exam because I wanted that kind of consistency and to set it up um, in exactly that that way. And uh, I think teachers find it really useful in terms of goal setting and feedback for the students in their in their studio across the board for them, and then of course the kids and the parents or students and parents for each individual section of their exam and that, that can be stuff they've been preparing you know a whole year sometimes or very recently just nice to have really detailed feedback it's making me excited to to present to teachers you know this opportunity for them to have exams available to them online and i know i there's like you said in the beginning there are so many different options right now depending on mm. where you live and a lot of the time it's you know the discussion i hear is oh you know royal conservatory of music is doing this or you know my local um for mtna my local chapter does this and there's kind of like uh there's nothing that's universal or nothing that's like flexible enough that you could do it from anywhere and so it's it sounds really amazing and i would love for to talk for a minute about why exams so maybe there's teachers listening who are like i've never done exams i've been teaching for 20 years i haven't needed them um you know in my experience they helped me as a student mo they're help they help with motivation they help with feedback from somebody other than your teacher it kind of it's this excitement a different excitement from performing it's like I don't know and and the fact that you can do it via recording is really neat because you're not having to go and sit in front of some judges and that you know can make kids really really nervous so explain to me a little bit about your experience with them and why you feel you know this need to make it accessible and and because of you know how it affects students and how it's helpful to them I think you have already given the answer in your question when you have said that it is. It's about goal setting, individual feedback, and uh, just the excitement of having something to prepare for. And I think that in terms of an exam, that 
that is it from the student perspective. Um, they do quite like getting the certificate, I know as well. But from the teacher perspective, it's more than that because it really helps to provide a structure. So uh, I think a lot of teachers are not quite sure what the goal is supposed to be um, for each individual student. And lessons, if it's just, you know, week in, week out with no actual kind of, we're trying to get to this, can kind of, you know, it's very easy to lose momentum in that respect. So I think from a teacher perspective to have, okay, look, we have these range of pieces that, I mean, incidentally, ours are free on the website. So that already is something that that teachers get pretty excited about. So there's this range of uh, repertoire that's there. And then we'll, we'll just play a whole lot of these pieces. And then when you're ready, we'll submit these three for your exam and do a, you know, a whole lot of other bits and pieces that go with it. And then, you know, just that kind of being able to structure each level. And I think for teachers, they really appreciate that. Um, a level often does kind of correlate to a school year. So they may have a whole lot of students that are in that sort of grade one for that year. And then, oh, terrific, everybody's done all of that. Great, now we'll do grade two and they get new repertoire, you know, a whole new set of, things to do um, and I think it, it is its structure, goal and the fulfilment of doing that and then that feedback, combination of all of those things. On the other end of the spectrum, we have teachers that are just starting teaching, you know, and they're, they've maybe graduated in it with a degree in piano or in music education and they're thinking, I, I would really love to either teach online or start an in-person studio and what an amazing way to start, you know, to have this path that you can take students on, because I hear so often from teachers what, you know, they're looking for method books, which is all great. They're looking for method books and resources and games and curriculum and, and things. And it can get really exciting, but it can also be overwhelming because there's so much we can teach. And so to have very similar to what you mentioned about when you're writing a, a song, when you have parameters to work in, you can actually even be more creative because you have to fit within this box. So if you have a level one or a level two student and you're going, okay, they need to learn, you know, these certain things, then you can find all kinds of stuff within those parameters versus going, where do I start with this, you know, eight, eight year old? I don't know. I, I don't know what books I should be getting or what music I should look at. It's great to have somewhere to start. Absolutely. And I know that there are so many teachers out there who have their little, you know, their preferred method book, and that is fine. I also know that there are so many teachers out there who are in a bit of a method book rut. You know, I, you, you, I hear from teachers all the time of how, what should I be doing with this student? This, this, this isn't working for them or this isn't working because everybody, all of their students are just in this kind of little method book rut. And I think Sadly, I, I think that we all as teachers need to be braver and better at expecting parents to go buy more stuff. You know, I do. I think that we have to be better at that. But at the same time, the reality is that for many teachers, that is a tough, tough call. And part of the reason that the method book thing works so well is because they're not asking very much of parents. So the reason that all of the UME stuff, that, so the entire syllabus, all of that material, but also an entire additional resources page that has more, it's all free. And the reason for that is 
to help teachers. <laughs> it's so that teachers can actually, okay, they've got this method book, but if it's not suiting that student, they can grab this and they can grab that and there's duets and there's, you know, and there's all this stuff that's just there for them um, so that they can get out of their little rut and incorporate lots and lots of different ideas and pieces in different styles and and things like that so i think that that has really helped um, bring it all together for the teachers as well so you've established this amazing global exam system what <laughs> it's so neat what what is the future for for ume what are you looking forward to in the next year uh, pretty more. excited right now because the UME piano competition was a bit of a byproduct. Um, I mean, I, the company is Universal Music Exams, so but we are running a couple of other things now. So last year we launched the UME piano competition and that was just so much fun. It was just like a normal piano competition, but totally online. So for all those online teachers out there, it's just perfect. Uh, it, there was, we, there's always this discussion about, should we have um, competitions that are grouped by, or festivals or Steadfords or whatever you would like to call them, grouped by age or grouped by level. And you know, if you, if you group them by age, you get the amazing nine-year-old that just, whoops through and wins every section but you actually get the same problem if, if they're grouped by level as well um so in the end we did both so the ume piano competition you could go in a section that was all your level you could go in a section that was all your age you could go in a classical section you could go in a contemporary section you could go in a jazz section um you know a whole different range of options there and it was so much fun and we had such great prizes and such wonderful performances so that's going to be a, an annual event now that's always going to be october november in the calendar year and right now we have the composition competition um and i went around and around trying to come up with a really great um name for this competition but because uh, I wanted something really creative. And in the end, I went for composition competition because I could call it the comp comp, which I thought was kind of cute. So <laughs> right now the comp comp is on. And uh, again, it's 18 years and under and there's a section for piano solo. There's a section for any instrument or combination of any instruments, any number of instruments, doesn't matter what it is. There's song with lyrics. So if you've written an actual vocal song with words, there's a section for that. And there's another section, which I love, which, which is called the Blitz Books Wrote Repertoire section. So my friend and colleague in Australia, Samantha Coates, has written an amazing collection of pieces that are wrote repertoire pieces. And they're, they're all about creativity and composition. And so there's a section just purely that you can play one of her pieces and then play us your composition that what you've kind of taken it into and renamed it as your own and that's going to be very very cute so i'm really looking forward to that and the the fun thing with that is that the prizes are actually lessons with composers so i mean there's money you know for each section because kids like money but i think kids like money because they go spend it on you know their mountain bike which is not really a musical pursuit so what I wanted to do was find a prize that I thought was actually improving composition. The whole purpose of this is to get them writing more and writing better. And so uh, we've got four fantastic composers that have put their hand up to be prizes, basically. 
Um, so we have two Australians who are Naomi Krellen and Elisa Milne, who are both really well known in Australia. And we have two Americans who are Leela Viss and Bradley Soash, who are both really well known, I think, everywhere. And so people, kids who are entering the composition competition are eligible for lessons with those people, which I think is pretty cool. That is so neat and such a fun thing for students to look forward to every year if they can work on composing throughout the year and have this to look forward to. I haven't heard of, you know, hardly anything like that. So that is so fun. Well, congrats, Michelle, on creating something that I know, you know, you're so excited and bubbly and so sweet, but I know that there's a lot of work. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's been a lifetime of putting all of these ideas and things together. But yeah, I love it. Well, thank you for providing these resources for teachers. You know, we all get to benefit from your expertise. Tell us quickly about where teachers can find you. Where can they find the website? And where can they learn about the Comp Comp that's this happening right now? Thanks, Carly. <laughs> uh, it's, so it's universalmusicexams.com.au because the company was formed in Australia. So there's the AU on the end. Um, but if you Google it, it comes up anyway. And um, everything is there. The piano competition with the results from last year. The comp comp is up now. The exams are open now. I have a brass syllabus on the way because I've been approached by brass teachers to have a syllabus <laughs> that kind of mirrors the piano thing. I've been approached by string teachers to get a string syllabus. So there will be other things coming in the future. But uh, all of our stuff is online friendly. So for, you know, for teachers in that online community, it's just perfect. And to have these events that are specifically set up really for them. Thank you so much, Michelle. I will direct teachers to the show notes where you can find all of that information and learn more. Thanks so much, Carly. It was so nice to chat to you. Michelle is such a delight. I really enjoyed our conversation. During this conversation, we forgot to mention that all of the UME, Universal Music Exam, syllabus, music, and materials for students are 100% free. So you can go over to their website and access the sheet music, the curriculum that she has, or the, the different levels and what needs what's expected at each level. This is a no-brainer resource for you to go and check out to help you shape your curriculum, create your curriculum, but also provide milestones that you can help your students hit as they go through different levels. So if you wanna check that out, you can go to the link in the show notes and I will have all of those links for you or just Google you universal music exams and you'll be able to find all of these materials. Thank you so much for listening teachers and I will see you next week. Who is your business coach? If you don't have one, I would be so honored to be your coach. I created a virtual course and coaching membership called Teach Music Online that I want to invite you to join me in. With 60 plus videos, online teaching certification, monthly live group sessions, hundreds of hours of recordings, and online forums, you'll know exactly how to create a thriving online business that gives you the flexibility and freedom that I know you deserve. Plus, you'll have the support of hundreds of like-minded teachers along the way. So when you're ready to really take what you're learning on this podcast to the 10x level, then come check out the Teach Music Online membership at teachmusic.online forward slash membership. 
Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have an amazing week. And as always, happy teaching.